Hello and welcome to Tech Reformation number, uh, let me see, 73? Mm-hmm. 73 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Derek. And this is Tank. How you doing this week, Tank? What's been Pretty What's good. been going on? Hmm. I should have thought about this before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'll tell you this, this week, been a couple interesting thing, go, things going on for me. First off, mm-hmm. um, I'm working on getting my master's license in electrical in a, like a couple of States. Um, that's what I'm working towards, which is kind nice. of a lot of study and, uh, you know, will be beneficial for the company and beneficial for my wallet, you know, later later on. So, uh, always a good, good aspiration. So just got some materials to start looking through that this week. Sweet. And I'll start calling you master Derek once you, yeah, once there you we come. master mast, um, master mast. <laughs> the pun is not lost on me. <laughs> and then, uh, today, how long will it take? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I still need the books right now. I, I was just going through some of the DVD stuff. Uh, Mike Holt is like a big name in, um, in general, like electrical knowledge and training and that sort of thing and using his like DVD and book series. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. I was trying to figure out, sorry, I was trying to figure out what you said. I heard my cult is <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was like, what did you say? What did you say? <laughs> Mike Holt. Mike Got Holt it. is the guy. Uh, <laughs> as far as I know, he's actually a Christian guy, which is kind of cool. Uh, you don't see that very much in like just general trade stuff like that, and especially mm. since he's so well known. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's pretty cool. It, it, so I'm hoping it won't take me more than like three, four months to study up for some of this, and then we'll take the test. That that may be aspirational because it's a lot of stuff. Because the the code book is like. I don't know, two, three inches thick, and it's those, like, really thin pages. Like, not quite Bible pages thin, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and just really dense code stuff. So, it might be aspirational, but that's kind of what I'm shooting for. Cool. So. That's exciting. Yeah. And then this, and then the the end of this week, let's see, Thursday and Friday, uh, we're doing, like, our yearly summit. Um for the the entire company kind of gets together and and like talks about what's going on. They do some motivational speakers and uh, it never st- what are what are your thoughts on like the whole motivational like team building speaker thing? Have you have you experienced this in in business? I have not. Okay. <sighs> um I'm trying to figure out how to how to explain this so I don't come come off like a jerk because I know <laughs> I know there are people that really love this stuff and really get a lot out of it but I just feel like it's really repetitive like like they, they go over like all the aspects of a team and just like a slight variation of the way that everyone else talks about it so that it's like unique to this speaker and you know there's always one of these guys at at like at one of these summits and I I feel like the worst ones are the ones that are like the Christian, like business motivational speakers, because what tends to happen is they'll, they'll take Bible passages, like say, for instance, uh, the five loaves and the two fish, two fish story. 
and apply mm. that to the business world. And in this case, it was uh, talking about like coming up with audacious or coming up with crazy ideas. And like, <laughs> and he pulled the point out of that being like, well, Jesus wanted to acknowledge the, uh, the audacity of this kid who thought that he could help with his five loaves and two fishes. It's like, no, no, that's not the reason. Going on. <sighs> nice. So anyway, this drove me up the wall a little bit. My my text. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> but my friend was my friend is in a Christian dorm uh, here. Um, but as Japan goes, anything Christian in name is rarely Christian in participation. Like very few of the people are actually followers of Christ. Yes. Uh, just a bunch of missionaries in the past started these and called them Christian, and uh, maybe even forced some traditions, but nobody actually cared mm-hmm. um but anyway so he's in a christian dorm here and like it's a requirement to have a bible study every week which is kind of cool mm-hmm. um he's he and maybe one other person are the only christians out of like 20 though and the bible study is led by um everybody like once a week it changes so that means that people who are not followers of christ are trying to teach what christ taught <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and one, one of them, uh, he was telling me about is they wanted to talk about work, like, cause they're all planning on going into the working world mm-hmm. and say, so they use that story, that parable about like Jesus picks up someone in the morning or not Jesus, sorry. Jesus is telling the parable <laughs> of the guy who picks up someone in the morning and then someone in the afternoon, someone in the mid afternoon, someone in the evening and then pays them all the same. And they're uh-huh. like, what does this say about work? And like, <laughs> they're all really confused and like, this is a terrible business practice. Like, <laughs> like you would go out of business if you tried to follow this. Oh man. And therefore the Bible is not the best advice <laughs> was their conclusion. Oh goodness. Yeah. Because I mean, the Bible revolves around the gospel, right? And, and like when it comes to work, like a capitalistic society is not really the best example of the gospel. Like true capitalism is is like you've got to work hard to attain what you have. And that's not the gospel at all. And so like there's so many of these uh, um, things that are confused with like proper, like, like the emphasis being on this is what you do. And thus, you know, if someone is not good at that, and everyone is told to do it, like it just ends up discouraging people, mm, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a whole, I've, I've, I could probably go in a long time about motivational speakers and, and Christianity, <laughs> but uh, that will probably gain me no friends. So <laughs> let's move on to the news. All right, first up in the news this week, uh, Snapchat is making the news again. Uh, They're starting their run against streaming services, it looks like, by announcing two partnerships with content providers, the BBC and A&E Networks. The BBC has promised to create a special Planet Earth 2 series using footage that never made it into the final TV show, and A&E is creating a wholly new uh, unscripted series for the Snapping Masses called Second Chance. 
which is a reality show that, quote, brings emotional exes face-to-face to explore the breaking point in their relationship for the first time. In this sincere setting, couples seeking closure will also discover heartfelt opportunities for reconciliation, end quote. For the entertainment of the masses. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Th- this is really quite interesting because it looks like the the content will be produced in, like, the Snapchat format, like... Like portrait, you know, the, you know, the, the wrong way to film things, you know, uh, <laughs> and like potentially like handwritten messages over the, over like what's going on. Like it'll have a very Snapchat feel to it, at mm-hmm. least with the unscripted series. Um, and, and I don't know how long these are going to, they're the, we, the runs are going to be like eight weeks, but I don't know how long each individual episode is going to be. Hmm. But yeah, interesting. Snapchat yeah. keeps, uh, trying pushing like innovation and like I I think I've said it before this way they're they're like the mad scientists of social media right now. <laughs> like <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, this is this is another in their kind of mad scientist push to see what they can do. I still haven't uh, downloaded it, but the only thing, the only Snapchat thing I've ever seen is um I don't know if you heard about that on the college where there is those those two people. Like who, um, I'm trying to remember, I think there was like one of those mass, like they had a school Snapchat and like one snap person Snapchatted and then a girl said, you're cute. I'll be at this bar if you want to find me. And then like all of that school like grouped together and was following this story of them Snapchatting back and forth and other people were like, I hope you all find each other. And then they went to the bar and were like Snapchatting each other, trying to find each other. And it was, that's, that's the only thing I've seen. It was like a show. Yeah, it was like it was like the first episode in How Did All of This Go Wrong? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Verizon is upping the ante with a new unlimited mobile phone plan without some of the limitations that T-Mobile had put on their unlimited plan. Verizon's is $80 a month for a single line compared to T-Mobile's $70, but it allows uh, HD video and up to 10 gigabytes of mobile hotspots. Uh, Shortly after Verizon announced this, uh, T-Mobile announced that they were lifting those restrictions on their plan. And then after that announcement, AT&T almost immediately announced that they were also doing an unlimited plan with plans starting at $100 for a single line, but much cheaper if you have more lines. Ah, Nothing like a price war to reveal what a network can do, but it's really (laughs) annoying to wait for the the price war to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering if they like all had a book. If someone else does this, this is our plan. Like, yeah, right. It's <laughs> this like is our a, unlimited one. We've already built it. We just aren't going to release it. it. It's like a Cold War standoff. Like waiting for the other. Uh, like everyone's kind of tensely waiting for someone else to do something, and then everyone throws throws their bombs out all at once. That's a really morbid analogy, but. Um, <laughs> So this time, instead of people dying, the customers get better stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's completely opposite of the way a normal Cold War would happen. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't. I've never really thought much about network plans and unlimited data and stuff because I only use maybe a gig or two. Um, But one, whenever I first got here. We had a data plan, but no uh, internet connection in the house. And so I used tethering and it just like sucked down my data. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was like, oh, unlimited data, you could do unlimited tethering. And then I read the article. I was like, ah, never mind. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yes. 
I was thinking I could go through a hundred gig with with that. <laughs> well, and they still do. They still have like uh, throttle caps. So, like for mm. T-Mobile, it'll be twenty-two gigabytes. Once once mm. you use twenty-two gigabytes, you'll get throttled after that. Uh, mm-hmm. For Verizon, I think it's twenty-six, and I think AT and T is also twenty-two. So. So yeah, not truly unlimited, but really, I mean, even for me, and I consider myself a large user of gigabitage, um, I like 20 gigabytes would probably be sufficient for me, but. Hmm. So you use around 20 or you would if you had it, I guess. I, I would if I had it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a company plan. So, and I share hmm. like 12 gigabytes with four other people. And fortunately those four other people really don't use much of anything at all like they might use a gigabyte each which is really mm-hmm. nice for me but uh uh yeah still i've gotta gotta keep myself reined back mm-hmm. uh, let's see next up uh reddit the self-described front page of the internet has changed its front page rather than the top stories from 50 curated subreddits Visitors to the site will now see popular stories from across the site on a new homepage the company has appropriately named r slash popular. Unlike before, these highlighted stories can come from almost any subreddit with a few restrictions. There's no content from 18 rated or not safe for work communities. Um, And subreddits that have actively opted out of appearing on the r slash all page won't have their stories popping up. The new homepage also won't feature content from boards that are consistently filtered out by users. So, got some smarts going on in there. What do you think about the change? Uh, sure. It's good. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't use Reddit. Do you use Reddit? Mm-hmm. Nope, unless someone links me to it. Oh, great. So, we're perfect for uh, talking about this <laughs> subject then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know myself enough to know that Reddit will just suck my life away, so... Mm. I just haven't started. Like it, it seems, it, it would it would have like a Tumblr, I think, uh, uh, a Tumblr effect. Like, well, or maybe not. See, I don't use Tumblr either. But like, <laughs> I'll look at those. I don't know those imgers of like uh, all those collections of Tumblr posts that are really hilarious, and that'll just suck me in for as long as they are, which is like a long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't need that in my life. Mm-hmm. Um but like when I when I've gotten into like mobile games or something like that, like that's generally a really great place to go to for support. Like it's Yeah, definitely. It's become the forum of the internet, so like anything you're interested in, that's you can go there and find stuff. Yeah, I've definitely used it for a few games as well. And finally this week, Facebook has been paying celebrities and media publishers like BuzzFeed, The New York Times, and Vox Media to use its live video product for the past year. Now those agreements are reaching their one-year mark, and the company says it hopes to transition those publishers to a revenue-sharing model instead of just paying them outright to make live videos. So, like, splitting the revenue from ads that are shown on the videos instead of just paying them outright, since that's not really uh, sustainable. So... It seems like Facebook might be moving to a model that uh, could be a YouTube competitor. Um, hopefully their uh, algorithms for catching copied videos will also <laughs> pop in soon. I don't think I've... I thought I saw a while back there was some movement on that front as far as like they were going to start cracking down on on uh, freebooted videos, but maybe I'm just making that up. Mm, yeah, I haven't heard about anything. I might be making that up. 
I was pretty, I was impressed with like their, um, what is it, their model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't really heard what they do, but that seems pretty smart how they uh, like to get companies to start with their new method of publishing content. They just pay them, say, here's money, do mm-hmm. this, get people excited. Yep. Um, instead of saying like, all right, we're going to do this. Hopefully people jump on and then nobody jumps on and it's just an awkward feature that nobody uses. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. As I was reading, there's planning on starting something else. Is that what you're like the video section that may be like YouTube? Yeah. And they're like doing like a TV app as well. Um, mm-hmm. That sort yeah. of thing. Um, they said, yeah. And they said on that, that they'll move to the payment model for that one for another year or so. And, oh, yeah. For like and the switch it back off. For like long form video, they're yeah they're aiming for paying paying providers to provide that and then yeah do the same thing. Yeah, it's pretty pretty smart method if you have the money to manage it. I think. Yeah, yeah. There there is something just a little skeezy about it in my mind that, that like it's you're forcing yourself into into uh, an industry like like mm-hmm. a la blockbuster who would force themselves into. Uh, a community and put the like the mom and pop video rental stores out of business by just dropping mm-hmm. their prices to mm-hmm. an insane amount and bankrupting everyone else and then shooting up their prices. But uh probably it's it's not quite the same thing, but anyway, Facebook is very forceful about what they want to accomplish, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's all the tech you should know this week. Uh, if you would like to tweet at us at Tech Reformation, you can do that to you know let us know if there's any anything we should have considered as far as you know putting here. If you see something interesting throughout the week, you can put it in there. Um, so we'll see you on Twitter. Our sponsor this week is Missionalware, the Reformed Theology gift shop. Missionalware has all sorts of fun and useful things to show that you are proud of the God you love and grateful for the people who have paved the way in theology over the centuries. The designs are really beautiful with creeds, quotes, and faces of various reformers available for printing across a variety of items, including clothing like t-shirts and hoodies, uh, moleskin journals, drinkware, including things like flasks and coffee tumblers, beautiful posters, and much more. In fact, I have one of those posters on its way to my house right now, the G.K. Chesterton quote that says, uh, theology is simply that part of religion that requires brains. It's like perfect for me. I am so excited to get this one. It'll be so great. Missionalware has been doing their thing for over six years and have grown an impressive library of designs and items that will appeal to any theologian. Whether you're just putting your foot into the deeper details of doctrine, or whether you've been fanatic about your faith for years. Check them out at missionalware.com, and thanks to them for sponsoring Tech Reformation. So for uh, theology from the headlines this week, um, which is where we we discuss like uh, a news story that has come through that has to do deal with the realm of technology and may have some like moral implications as well. Uh, we've got 
A murder. Uh, I was expecting more of a reaction from you on that. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> um, <laughs> you started describing theology from the headlines, and I zoned out. <laughs> like, I've heard all I this before. I forgot to zone back in. And <laughs> no problem. Uh, but anyway, there's so there has been a murder in Bentonville, Arkansas, uh, which is, I mean, it's it's a somber thing. I don't mean to make light of it. Um, but on, I'll just, uh, I'll just talk about the situation here and then we'll get into why this is technology, uh, related. On a morning in November 2015, James Andrew Bates, who was 31, found Victor Paris Collins, 47, dead in his hot tub after the two drank and watched football, watched football with a group of friends the previous night. Local law enforcement alleges that Bates strangled Collins. Um, and a month later, a judge granted the Bentonville police a warrant for some of Bates' data on Amazon servers to gather evidence about what went down. Police said Bates' Amazon Echo device was streaming music that night and may have caught a recording of what happened. And while court documents show Amazon twice declined to co cooperate with the warrant, Arkansas police arrested Bates in February 2016. And the case is set to go to trial next year. So that is the setup. Um, they go on in the article to, uh, to say that, you know, for tech companies and consumers alike, Collins' murder poses a new challenge. It's apparently the first time an intelligent speaker like Echo has been roped into a court case, and thus it's the latest chapter in a perpetually shifting debate over what privacy rights look like as people share more information and corporations store it or use it for marketing. Now, the, the, the problem is that this doesn't necessarily record everything. Like, the Echo, it, Amazon would say that the Echo only records, uh, brief snippets of audio, uh, to catch hot words or, or wake words, like, um, like, or, or that sort of thing. Um, sorry, I should beep that out. Whenever, <laughs> since Amazon doesn't have, like, a, like a, hey, Hey, Echo type thing. Probably shouldn't say so, so that ah, I did it again so that we don't set people's things off. Let's see if I can beep that out. <laughs> um, it's, it's super annoying. Like I can talk about Siri now because, uh, cause Apple, um, their trigger word is Hey telephone, you know, instead huh. of just Siri. So, uh -huh. um, <laughs> so it would go off because you said. Uh, if someone had it on their podcast or yes. like someone was playing it out loud. Yes. So I could say, order me a burrito and it would <laughs> try to order that person a burrito. Awesome. Um, yeah. So you can create some havoc. Um, but anyway, I, I'm getting distracted. But anyway, the, the echo would only, uh, only doesn't send anything to Amazon or so they say, unless there's like a, a wake word, um, said so you know if you're talking about burying a dead body uh to your friend is not necessarily going to care about that because you haven't said its name dang it i did it again mm. it's gonna be difficult <laughs> so what are what it's and, and i guess the the question would also be if this was a thing that you really could search the database um which is what the law enforcement seems to think is the case um where does that fit uh, morally or legally as far as like privacy rights um, 
is searching the thing that uh, is is interrogating a perfect memory of what's going on, quote unquote, fair or like, is it an invasion of privacy? That sort of thing. I mean, my first thoughts are some of the issues with it. For example, what if you're playing Clue with some friends that night? Ah, yes. I mean, of course, you're going to have some some issues with your with your voice recording that might raise a false flag, <laughs> or perhaps you're watching a murder mystery about about a person with the same name as Amazon Echo's robot, uh-huh. and then it's going to have all of these like, oh yes. <laughs> she was killed in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> and then coincidentally, someone was actually killed in your bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, unlikely, yeah. but still. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's there's the problem of context. Like, as far as this case goes, like, uh, if there was talk of murder that night, like, fairly likely that that had to do with the actual murder of this person. But, (laughs) um, you know, (laughs) murder is a bit of a bit of a thing. Like I I would probably, the question is not of whether it, 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 it's not really the question of whether it's justified in this case, but Mm -hmm. whether it's worth opening the floodgates to everything else that's possible as far as law enforcement goes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. I don't know if it. I was doing some research on it, and while well, it said some of the stuff was like he was streaming music, so he might say a pause or a start or mm-hmm. to play my murder playlist or something. I don't know <laughs> what they're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the one of the things said that they also looked. They found the uh, the smart. I can't remember if it was water heater or smart water. It it was a it was a thing that worked with the water, mm-hmm. um, and they found that he used like 140 gallons that night. Which mm. maybe they could have got that from the water company, but it made it sound like they got it from a smart device that showed that the they used 140 gallons of water. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it also the conversation, like you said, in opening up the floodgates, it applies to Echo, um, but then that also applies to all the smart things in the house. You can have yeah. the smart freezer. You ran out of you ran out of body parts in the freezer today. Um, <laughs> just like all of these, all of these different, um, all Please of our different smart to devices. <laughs> all of our different smart devices that we have in our house, yeah, could really end up like replaying a scene um, mm-hmm. if we if we get enough. And so, as far as yeah, I don't know. I mean. Surely we've, I don't know if we've faced this problem already in the past with like security cameras like that we personally own. Mm-hmm. So I know some people set up their own security footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I feel like that's the same. I mean, these are in some some sense just if if they're used like that, they're just more security cameras that monitor different parts of your house. And so do you know, I, I just am having this thought, so I didn't think to research it, but do you know what the ruling is like on security cameras? If a murder was committed at your house and you say you didn't do it, like, can, can people use your security cameras? That's a good question. Um, I would assume that's probably like, that seems to me to be something that would be legitimately on the table. 
Like it is not, um, because I don't, I'm trying to think why, why the distinction is in my head that like, you can't ask this assistant when, I mean, you could interrogate their secretary or you can, you know, hit the security camera. I, I guess, I guess it's probably the issue of context. Um, and like, mm. if someone asks about what's, what's on the Alexa, like you don't have the context around what is being asked. Uh, you may not have the tone. I don't know if it, I don't know if it sends the audio files or, or what it thinks you heard back to the servers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. And, and this also goes back to the, uh, question of like uh, allowing people to hack into encryption, having the government be able to hack into encryption on your phone or like have, have the, uh, right to, you know, search, search someone's like intensely personal device like that. Um, I don't know. And I guess the other thing would be this, this would border on enabling the prosecution of thought crime. Um, if, if that became a thing. So like, there's a lot of this argument that tends to be like slippery slope stuff, uh, mm-hmm. which in some cases I think is valid, is a valid argument. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm curious, uh, does, do you know, does Jap, does Japan have like the same level of value on privacy as America has? Honestly, I have no idea. Okay. I haven't really researched it at all. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, Because the other thing is, are we dealing with like an actual moral issue or what we think is a moral issue because we've grown up in a country that has really valued privacy um, and really valued a a limit on on, uh, law enforcement such that they cannot abuse their power, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. because I yeah, think that's a good point. I, I I think that's really what this comes down to is is limiting is limiting the power of the government such that it cannot be abused, mm-hmm. and and like if you uh, if you search so take the extreme if you if you search my thoughts, um, you're gonna find things in there that could be construed as like something awful, like I want to murder people or, uh, mm. you know, there, there have been terrible, terrible thoughts that I've had over my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And those are not things that we prosecute because otherwise every single person would be in jail for something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and thus it creates the ability to, not frame someone, but convict something for someone that because you don't like them, because you know that they just have something, some skeleton in their closet that could be, you know, made in a court case to be uh, prosecutable, right? And you could probably do that Mm -hmm. for everyone if you're getting into their brain. Um, And so the question with, and and so again, we're, we're talking about opening the floodgates, not whether it's justified in this case. But like you could pr- eventually, once we start relying on these smart assistants and if they record this sort of thing, 
uh, it would be, it, it would become basically become our brains, right? 20 years down the road, we're probably going to be relying on these smart assistants for just about everything. Like, uh, like car, like picking, having a car come pick us up, uh, because they're self-driving and we can just ask for one. And it's really basically a really cheap taxi service and they know where we go and like all this stuff. So I guess that's kind of my, my thought on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you could, I mean, if there would definitely have to be boundaries on what the police can search or they could just be like, all right. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason. And then, all right, we're going to read every thing, every echo thing. That you had. <laughs> um, we're going to check how much gallons you've used every day in your, in your bathtub and uh-huh. yep. what food you've put in your refrigerator. And we're going to hunt out and recreate everything possible and just, to, just to see what we can build. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to sell it to marketing on accident, but we won't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. The law, the law business becomes very lucrative as they, uh-huh. as they begin subpoenaing everybody's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's an, that's an interesting yeah, thing about cars that I hadn't thought about self-driving cars. Yeah. If, if, if they become like the new form of taxi where you just put in where you want to go and one comes and picks you up, then mm-hmm. yeah, someone can just follow you around to figure out where you went every day at what time. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. But then like the question is like, what does law enforcement have to deal with? Like, like what, what can law enforcement have at their disposal to like mm-hmm. solve crimes? Once, once everything becomes smart, you know, I, my, my timeline keeps getting longer, like 50 years out. Cause, but, um, because eventually that's what's going to happen. Basically everything we use is going to have some kind of a microchip in it. We're going to all buy things with chips in them from, you know, Amazon go stores, because they'll be really convenient and we can just pick stuff off the shelf and carry them out. And, you know, mm. we'll, uh, our, our water glasses will tell us what the temperature is and, you know, um, and they'll know if we poured someone's blood into them for, for cold storage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like what, cause, cause once you get, uh, once you get terrifyingly accurate, um, tracking over everything that we do uh if we don't allow any of that to be used then what can be i'd be i'd be really interested to hear from a police officer who understands technology and and like has has thought about this from the you know from the like the forensic angle of this kind of thing Mm. um -hmm. because yeah i don't know because we don't want a Big Brother scenario, um, a 1984 thing, but mm-hmm. uh, we also don't want uh, really, really where there's lots of uh, lots of bad things happening that people are very good at covering up because they have smart assistants that cannot be that that can help them with whatever they're doing, but cannot be uh, searched by law enforcement and. I just wonder where the balance is from that and and how lawmakers are going to deal with this, um, even across the world. Because um, mm. I'm sure there are, com- there are countries out there that don't value privacy like uh, America does, but even so, still have a generally good, you know, balance on 
you know, not over prosecuting, like, like, I don't know, not over prosecuting people and, but not being like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something, um, worth continuing thought on and it'll be interesting whenever it, uh, whenever we see where it goes. But, um, one thing that this makes me think of just like the all seeing and big brother presence and whatnot is, uh, either one, the elf on the shelf that parents use to creep their kids out, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but to the, the, the Christian version, which is God is always watching you. So don't do anything bad or he oh, will yes. give you presents. I mean, blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, I just, it's kind of the same style. Like, I mean, it is, it is definitely true that God is always there and he sees all. I'm just curious, what do you think about, um, what do you think about, especially now that you have a child, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about just that style of um, of pointing your kids towards obedience? Um, does, do you think that's a very effective or very theologically sound and encouraging way to encourage kids towards obedience? <laughs> well, you know, terror is an effective tool, uh, mm. but... <laughs> That's not that's not one one I want to use with my kids. Um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you will fear me. <laughs> I mean, speak to God, <laughs> a, a just God, which is the God that we have, uh, a God that does not tolerate evil, is a terrifying God, um, and mm. rightly so because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, but that is, and but that's not where. We ever want to leave it either. Mm-hmm. Um, it we we do need to understand that the the law absolutely condemns us. None of us have kept the Ten Commandments or uh, can keep it from here on out. You know, e- even if we do keep it from here on out, we've already fallen. We are already uh, a subject to the wrath of God, but we are also we also have forgiveness in Christ. So, um, there is a book that I'm reading currently called Law and Gospel by C.F.W. Walther mm-hmm. that really uh, works on this distinction. So, both both are valid. We are utterly contem- condemned by the law, but we are also... Um, we also have the righteousness of Christ through his sacrifice on the cross and nothing that we can do from now to the end of our lives. If we are, if we are in Christ, nothing we do can, can take us from the love of Christ. Um, and I realize that's a very Calvinist thing. So, you know, any Arminians that are listening, you can make what you will of that, but, um, that is, from from like going throughout the Bible, there there's there's no one who can fall from the grace of God if they are truly under the under if they are truly in Christ. So, what do we do with this? Do we, uh, as as Paul asked, uh, do I sin so that grace may abound? No, by all means, by all means, no. Um, that that's not what a Christian should ought to be doing. So, where's the balance, right? Um, Mm. and what Walther would contend for is that this distinction ought to be, uh, it, it ought to be used such that someone who is secure in their sin, who is okay with, um, 
viewing pornography every evening going they go home and and just watch pornography and masturbate and that's you know that they're fine with that they don't think about it it's just a thing they do and they feel okay about what they're doing well the law has to be preached to them they need to understand that that is that is sin and that they are under the wrath of god in doing something like that but mm-hmm. You don't preach the law to a penitent sinner who is struggling to get out of a porn addiction um, because they know they've sinned. They, they understand that they are condemned by, uh, that they are condemned under the law, but they need to hear the gospel because that is also true. Mm-hmm. The, the truth is that there's nothing they can do that can separate them from God. Um, and that bring you know, uh, so there's always this, he, he says, he says in the book that anyone who can properly distinguish between law and gospel ought to be a, uh, is, is a doctor in theology. They, they have everything pretty much figured out because this is one mm-hmm. of the hardest things to accomplish in, in, uh, like in living out in everyday life, figuring out mm-hmm. the distinction, like figuring out if someone is a penitent sinner, whether they need to hear the law or gospel, and and how to present that to them so that uh, they are not content in their sin, nor are they crushed in under under the law. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that's required. Like like you just said, like in evangelism, I I feel like for a long time, what's encouraged has been encouraged is just like God is love, and talk about how God loves you and how He changed your life and mm-hmm. all those things. Um, and just only talk about those and calling people out on their sin is, well, that's a no, no, because of course they're sinning. Right. Uh, they're sinners. Like, but until we help them understand what sin is and the weight of it, mm-hmm. like, yeah, God loves me. My parents love me too. So I'll <laughs> stick with them, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Like, uh, you, but, and, you don't and understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't understand why you need the gospel until you understand why you need the gospel until you understand that you are utterly <laughs> condemned by the law and you can have no, and there is no other option. And that this is mm. an incredibly, insanely amazing gift that God has given us. Mm. Um, yeah. I was, there's this, a song that, um, that was really pretty powerful just recently for me. Um, it's called, uh, boldly I approach by ring collective. Mm-hmm. And there's just some, like powerful lyrics in that the first line is uh by grace alone somehow i stand and another line is when condemnation grips my heart and satan tempts me to despair uh, and i hear the voice that scatters fear and um mm-hmm. you know and it's all about how like uh the 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 chorus is about boldly i approach your throne um <clears throat> so hebrews 4 um how we can approach the throne of grace with confidence in the time that we need uh, mercy, I think mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, but just the, the image that it portrays whenever it's talking about what that means, especially when going to him as sinners. Cause I mean, that's the context of the verse. He talks about the high priest who, uh, was tempted in all things like we are yet has no sin. Um, we can approach him because he understands, I guess, in, we can approach with confidence and receive mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so just that picture, like, man, I am before the throne of God and Satan has, is tempting me to despair because of 
like the great sin that I have, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like what I've been doing. Um, but Jesus pulls us close with nail scarred hands. Like he's, and it's by his blood that, uh, yeah, by your blood, I come welcomed as your own. And it's just that, like that prodigal son picture, even how like you, the prodigal son has this phrase. I'm going to say, it's like, uh, I know I've sinned against you. I'll be your servant and something, something. And he gets to the dad and he bows down and he says, father, I know that I sinned against you. And the father like picks him up and hugs him. And it's mm-hmm. like, come on, we're having a feast. Yes. Yes. And it's just, yeah, it's just such a, such a powerful picture. Um, and, and I think it, yeah, it goes along with what you're saying. And I think when we, like when we only preach that God, that, um, <clears throat> whose whose presence is a thing to fear, which, like you said, it definitely 100% is um, when we're under law mm-hmm. um, to our kids they or to ourselves. Um, we grow up afraid of God's presence. Um, mm-hmm. But like the psalm says, in his presence is fullness of joy, and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And when we, when we can get past our condemnation and see the love that God has for us, mm-hmm. uh, his presence becomes an amazing gift. Yes. Like, we should no longer have to think, oh, God's watching me. So like, because God watching us, that's a negative thing. It's like, man, God is with me yeah. in this room that I'm sitting right now recording this podcast. God is here beside me yeah. <laughs> or filling the room or whatever you want to say. Um, yep. or I'm walking down the street or I'm going through this scary thing, or I'm trying to share the gospel or I'm having trouble at work or I'm fighting with my wife, any of those things like God's presence is here. And at any moment I can turn and praise him and talk to him and ask for help and receive his power because his spirit is in us and we can walk, uh, in all things triumphantly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it becomes a hugely powerful doctrine, the presence of God, the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-around presence of God. And uh, whenever our only theology on the presence of God is, oh, he's watching you, so you better not sin, mm-hmm. uh, we lose a lot of that power, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Your greatest enemy becomes your greatest ally when you, when you're, you know, when you come to Christ. So, so powerful. Which, mm. going back, which is, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm at a point where I'm like really starting to understand like the law and the gospel and how that relates to believers and God and, 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 and everything like that. And we go back to something like the government here. The role of the government is very different from the role of God. Um, mm. it's, it's meant to kind of keep order on earth, but an omniscient government is an om is a government that is uh full of sinners who uh can take advantage of anything to their own gain and uh, basically if if a government was truly just and truly held to and was able to prosecute like thought crime or or like um the the sin of the sin of lust or the sin of like covetousness. Like if that was a thing and the government was somehow just like, like just as God was just every single person would be in jail or like they would all have the same charges against them. And thus Mm -hmm. like every, and then it would just be complete anarchy because nobody would, (laughs) and nobody would be really like 
I don't know. The, the, the role of the government is not to really uh, control the morality of the nation, but to keep order and like the keep order on the main, on the major things, you know, mm. keep, you basically keep the country from falling apart. So, and when you get people in with various, uh, diff- with different moral ideas, you know, ideas that are not, um, uh, God, uh, like based on the Bible, um, you know, hate crime, uh, interpretation of hate crime against like, uh, against gay people as far as like not baking cakes, because that's a really easy thing to pick on. Um, because that's always, seems like it's always in the news. Um, or the transgender issue that's happening now that gay marriage has been passed and, and all that sorts of things could be, you know, easily prosecuted. And, and we as Christians are not, are, are not guaranteed to have an easy or, or uh, an easy life or one that is justly treated. Uh, you know, there will be, uh, persecution and that sort of thing. So that's something we should expect, but it, I still, it's still something that we should fight against in a free, in a free country. I don't know. I feel like I keep going around in circles on this, but I I guess I don't have a great idea of what the government's role is biblically. And some of that has been Mm -hmm. confused in the last few years as I've like, I've heard about theonomy, uh, which is kind of goes to the, uh, really go for like the, the moral, uh, rule over, over a country. Um, with the rules from the Old Testament, like as far as like you kill people for, uh, I don't, I don't actually remember like everything, but like it seems very extreme in the culture we have today. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and so I don't have a great grasp on like what, what the government's role truly is biblically. Um, so I guess I should research that, but. <laughs> homework yeah yep along with along with your master classes yeah right yeah i'll, I'll just have I'll, how's time for that maybe i'll uh maybe i'll record a podcast too and uh nice we'll, uh... <laughs> now um but i am so thankful that we have a god who is perfectly just and also is perfectly loving and mm. we have and he he brings us to himself he has mercy on us Uh, sinners though we may be. Mm. All right, let's go into Reco's uh, tank. I see you have a recommendation here for us. I do. Um, This is a game called Overcooked. It um, is on Steam for $20 now. I, of course, got it on sale on Steam. Yes. Um, But the sale ended, and now it's going for $20. Um, But this is a couch co-op game, and I got it because I thought it would be fun to have a game to play with my wife again. We haven't played a video game in a while together. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the best one that we've chosen together. Um, It's not super... It's not like super casual. You actually have to know how to use a joystick and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but it's it's definitely like Mich- Michelle is my wife is not um, a huge gamer and hasn't been in the past. Um, but she definitely has some skills, and uh, it's it's a fantastic co-op game. It's kind of like Diner Dash where you have to build the orders and then put them down. 
Um, but then they throw all these obstacles in, like you have to push buttons to open doors or sit like there's, um, you're on two trucks and there's a truck that keeps driving at different speeds. And Mm -hmm. so you have to dash around and try to get the, get the ingredients where they are and throw them on the other truck. And, um, and then all the while, of course, there's a timer going down and you're trying to get these deliveries in, uh, in time. Um, and then there's a star rating, one, two, three stars. Uh, so of course we go for three stars every, every level. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great team game. Uh, I think it might be fun to incorporate into a marriage counseling class to um, ah. see who who steps up as the leader and who <laughs> follows well, or if you both just bicker whenever you're trying to solve problems. Because, because <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely parts where one person just kind of needs to take control and start giving orders a little bit, and then there's parts where you have to have the freedom to do your own job and and triage and multitask all the things that are important in being able to manage together in a relationship so Mm -hmm. if you want a good co-op experience i highly recommend overcooked cool you know i could probably teach you how to uh work as a team now that i've been uh thoroughly indoctrinated by uh, (laughs) by this weekend (laughs) i've got mnemonics and everything man i got you covered uh, nice. uh, yeah, I bet. Um, I bet that's another application of the five loaves and two fish. He was probably looking forward to the overcooked game. And that was like that was <laughs> that's right. Yep. An early version of that game. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Yep. It's about as applicable as the other as the other <laughs> moral that was brought out of that. Uh, I am going to recommend uh, new socks. Um, nice. They are really comfy. I have. Uh, we got I got some new socks for Christmas because we usually get some new stock new socks in our stockings. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Yo, dog! I put a stocking in your stocking because I heard you like stockings. Um, <laughs> but and I've only gotten a, really a chance to to wear them recently because we're a little slow in work. So I'm kind of bopping around the house. Decided, oh, I just found these new socks in in my drawer. I should wear them again. Nice. Ah, uh, never fails to disappoint. Never fails. So comfy. Never fails to disappoint? Never, no, oh, no, no. That makes sense. Yes, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I got it. Oh, wait. Uh, never never right. fails to... Uh, shoot, what am I trying to say? Make you happy. Make me happy. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to say. I think that's the... Uh, that I learned that when I went to Yale. You know, yep. The, that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> sophisticated. <laughs> uh, man, I need to get me some education on that one. <laughs> I actually, um, to tack onto that, not too long ago, I had all these variety of socks from, I mean, when I was in high school, probably. Um, and one day I just threw them all away and bought new socks and they're all the same sock. And so I never had that problem of doing the laundry and can't find the matching socks or like trying to sort them all out. Mm. Now it's every single pair of my socks match. And that was a wonderful change for my life. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. If you would like to connect with us, you can join us in our Slack team. Uh, You can go there at slack.techreformation.com and you can sign up there. Or if you've forgotten how to get into the Slack, there's a link there to get uh, to. I mean, if you already have an account, there's a link there. You can click. It takes you right to the Slack. So there should be no confusion there. There's also our website, techreformation.com, where you can see all of our past episodes. There's also tags, so you can sort through what interests you most. Mm-hmm. 
recommend us on Overcast or share us with a friend uh, on on the internet or in real life. If you find someone that you realize is listening to podcasts, you know that feeling. Have you ever had that? Do you listen to podcasts really, Tank? No. Okay. It's always <laughs> it's always such an amazing feeling when you find someone who's like, I listen to podcasts. I was like, you mm. listen to podcasts too? That's so great. <laughs> I love podcasts. Which ones do you like? Uh, just uh, let them know that Tech Reformation is the best uh, tech slash Christianity podcast of all time. Mm. Um, and <laughs> and just let, let them know. Um, music is used by special permission of Matthew Parker. You can check him out on SoundCloud and iTunes. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Next week.